Welcome back to an all-new episode of DC TV Classics, your home for the history of DC on TV. I'm one of your hosts, Keith Chow, and I'm rolling with just uh, one partner this week. Uh, it's Nick Lang. What's up, Nick? Hey, nothing. How are you? I'm good. It's 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 the dudes have taken over DC TV Classics. Just the dude episode. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I think most people are probably saying, where's Desiree and Brittany and turning off their podcast right now. So That's what I do. <laughs> for I'm those... just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you're not. For those, for those of you <laughs> who, who have uh, decided to continue listening on, uh, this is a special post-San Diego Comic-Con edition of DCTV Classics. Um, Nick was actually at Comic-Con for part of the part of the convention uh you were you were on a panel right Yeah yeah I was um I was there on Sunday I was on a panel um a, about Harry Potter cuz um I I do that uh I my theater company Stark had started out by doing Harry Potter shows Harry Potter parody shows so I was on a uh, a fandom Harry Potter panel. It wasn't like an official Harry Potter thing, but like something for the fans. So it was like me and then people like from the there. Real people play Quidditch for real. They don't fly around, but they <laughs> do carry brooms between their legs and play the game. So there were some people from that, and there were people that made like fan films. And there's a, an an off Broadway show right now called Puffs that is about what were the Hufflepuffs doing through all seven <laughs> years of the Harry Potter story. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a, that's a great. That's a like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of yeah. Harry Potter. Basically, yeah. So, um, oh, well, I've never seen it, so maybe it's not like that. But that's <laughs> they were there, um, yeah. And then, and then me, it's like I, I don't know how relevant I still am because those shows are uh, the first one is like eight years old at this point. So, um, well, that's that's the beauty I of the internet. Things things live forever on the internet, and people are still discovering go. a very Potter musical. There you go. It's immortal. So um, <laughs> it'll it'll be around long after I die. <sighs> that's, that's the mark I made on the world. There you go. I mean, hell, that's better than most folks. Uh, I, I don't know. How many Comic-Cons have you been to prior to this one? I've been to this one, and then I was at one previously um, in terms of San Diego Comic-Con. Right, so right. I've been there twice. The last one I went to was, I think, in like 2009 or 10. Oh, um, wow. So it's changed in the last eight eight it, years or so since you've been. Yeah, it has changed. Um, Comic-Cons in general, I think, have changed since, you know, I used to go to them as a as a child. Um, right. So I guess we'll talk more more about about that coming up um how they how they've changed for me. But um, yeah, it was it's cool. You know, it was cool to go see. Yeah, I mean, um, I actually skipped this year. I, I've gone the last two years, and and before that, I I'd gone in two thousand nine. Maybe we're at the same comic con in two thousand nine. Hey, but, there uh, you go. <laughs> it's like kismet that we would one day do a podcast together. But um, yeah, but yeah, it, it, in the eight years since like I did my first San Diego in two thousand nine to at least last year's, and I'm sure this year was an even bigger you know turnout and blow up than than previous years. It's it, it is for those of you who've never attended. A San Diego Comic Con, it is a like uh, clash of like 
It's a culture shock, let's just say, right? Yeah. I think just the overwhelming nature of Comic-Con, especially like as soon as you get to downtown San Diego, it's not even getting into the convention center. It's yeah. the whole gas lamp district outside the convention center that's just packed. If you're if you're an introvert that has like problems with uh, being around other people uh, and and yeah. germs, <laughs> yeah. You might uh-huh. not want to go to Comic-Con. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's huge. They, you'll walk around anywhere in San Diego, and you'll see somebody dressed up like Deadpool in a bathrobe or something like that. You know, in a Deadpool bathrobe. You know how, like, at the end of the movie Deadpool, he comes out Ferris Bueller right. style. So there was a lot of that cosplay. There was a, a lot of that this year. People love the Deadpool. Yeah, and last last year was an abundance of Harley Quinns. So, so like... many Harley Quinns, but <laughs> this year it's Wonder Woman. Oh, it of was course, all Wonder Woman. That makes a lot of sense. Which was cool because you go like Wonder Woman was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was what they had on on Harley last year. Is that this year they yeah. actually cosplayed a good movie? Yeah, uh, there you go. yeah. The other thing that people do San Diego Comic Cons for is for the announcements, and uh, there were a plethora of announcements coming out of this year's as, as it would any year. Um, some of there were actually some relevant bits of, uh, San Diego announcements that I think pertain to like the stuff we talk about here on DC TV classics. And we'll run through a couple of them quickly. Cause I think the level of interest that both of us have varies <laughs> in terms of the announcement. So, uh, we'll start with, um, you know, we, we discussed, I think on the last episode, Erica Durant has been cast to play uh, Supergirl's mother on on the Supergirl TV show, and um, I think you got your first look at Erica as Alora in the Supergirl's trailer that they unveiled, and I guess that means she's going to play a larger role. Um, and I know Nick, you don't watch Supergirl, but I think it, she's a great actress. She is a great actress, and somehow she's going to play another person <laughs> who had played the character yeah. for the last two years. And I was under the impression it was just going to be a hologram, but I think either they're flashbacks or they're going to somehow bring, you know, Kara's mother from Krypton onto uh, the show. But I guess you wouldn't have to recast a character like that if you weren't going to uh, blow up the, the, the character on the show. But, but we, now we know. Now we know what yeah. she's going to look like. And... um she looks like yeah. Erica Durant. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> In, like, a blue dress. Yeah. Ironically um, enough, Erica Durant looks like Erica Durant. So I wonder if anyone will make any comment that, you know, Kara's mom looks a lot like Lois Lane. But Yeah, yeah, maybe they will in the show. Maybe. Maybe, maybe Superman will meet her and go, like, you look oddly familiar. <laughs> well, speaking of Erica Durant as Superman, the other kind of, like, Smallville-adjacent announcement that came out of comic-con was that uh tom welling superman himself clark kent himself is making his uh way back into dc tv um he's he's he decided he wasn't ever going to put the superman tights on and look how that turned out for him now he's got to come back (laughs) he's got to come back to tv but he's on another dc show this is a vertigo show on fox called lucifer and uh that's about the extent of how much I know about Lucifer. <laughs> about know. the the devil? Uh, yeah, it, it's based on a Vertigo comic, and um, it's about Lucifer himself, and it's it's described as like a dramatic supernatural procedural show. So I'm not exactly sure okay. how 
you take okay. the Lucifer comic and make it a procedural. But um, but apparently Tom Welling is back in the DC TV fold. So uh, great. Th- there goes there goes the opportunity of having Tom cast on Supergirl and interacting with Erica. But no, nah, he can do it. He, he can, can still, do, still it. do it. He's only on Lucifer. <laughs> no, no one cares about Lucifer. Actually, that's not true. I think Lucifer has quite a fan base. It's just, uh, yeah, it's one of. It's just, it's not. He's not on small. He's not on Supergirl as somebody else. Is I guess my point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So they, I'm sure they can find a way. And in fact, um, you know, Lucifer is part of the Vertigo comics. So there are several Vertigo TV shows. You know, in addition to Lucifer, you have um, iZombie and you have Preacher, which are. Mm-hmm. From the Vertigo imprint of DC Comics, but they still count as DC TV shows. I wonder if Andy will ever do a Preacher or a Lucifer podcast. But um, he should. He should. You could, or you could just do a Vertigo podcast and roll in iZombie. Um, yeah, there you go. That. But but yeah, so Tom Welling is back in the DC fold. Erica Durant. So we have our Lois and Clark from Smallville back on TV. Where's uh, Chloe? That's a good question. Chloe turned into Felicity on Arrow. Uh, I'm going to edit that out because people on Twitter will, will tear us apart for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other, the, the other huge announcement I think we'll spend a little bit of time on is that they showed what the cast of Young Justice Season 3 is going to be made up of. And I think that was a pretty, that was a big shock because a lot of the characters that you've grown to love over two seasons and, you know, that, that kind of inspired this campaign to bring the show back they they weren't on the uh the call sheet so uh that's, yeah that's isn't a little interesting. like like superboy is not there or something like that yeah there's no superboy there's no nightwing um there's no uh aqualad it looks like damian wayne robin because he's got like a little hoodie on so that looks to be one of the characters you have uh roy harper looks like is coming back blue beetle is coming back uh, Kid Flash is coming back, but it's not Wally. It looks like it's Bart Allen in the Kid Flash costume. It also looks to have Static Shock, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, and then uh, three new characters for this season: Arrowette, which is like a, a Green Arrow's female psych. I wonder if she's related to Artemis at all. I don't know. A new character named Tracy Thirteen and the Spoiler. So, no yeah, Tim Drake, spoiler. but they brought in Spoiler, which is interesting. Right, yes. Yeah, spoilers, cool. Spoilers, really cool. But again, I mean, it could be that it's it's Tim Drake in the hooded Robin costume, but I think most people associate the hood with Damien. With right? Damien, yeah. So, well, who knows? It's like who who knows what'll end up happening. It's like I can see why they'd say let's you know change it up. It's um, you know, to keep the show fresh. I never saw Young Justice. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I hear it's great, though. It is great. Uh, yeah, so maybe the characters will show up in some other way. Maybe. I mean, um, for those of you who do like Young Justice, uh, you, you'll you probably remember that season. the leap from season one to season two also consisted of a, a, a like a time jump and an introduction of many new characters. So, uh, so a quick download for you, Nick. In season one of Young Justice, it revolved around... The core group of Dick Grayson as Robin, uh, Marsh, Ms. Martian, uh, Aqualad, Kid Flash, Wally West, and um, an, a character named Artemis who was kind of mm-hmm. poised to be uh, 
Green Arrow like, sidekick. Like Speedy. Right, she was, right, because Speedy was a character, Roy Harper, and then part of the plot of season one is that he was like, I don't want to be a sidekick anymore, and, oh. and he leaves. <laughs> uh, spoilers ensue, we won't, we won't get into, like, why he leaves and what happens to him, but that's the core cast okay. of season one. I, I'm, lo- I'm looking at a picture right now, do they have Zatanna in there? Yeah, so season two uh, would... They expanded. The, it's kind of like the l- jump between Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, where okay. where season two introduced a whole bunch of new characters. So in addition to those core, and I and of course I forgot to mention Connor Superboy. That was also the main plot of the first season. Season one is finding Superman's clone. Um, we saw those core characters kind of grow up in season two. It, I think it was like a five year time jump, and Dick was now Nightwing. Uh, Barbara was in the mix. Um, Ms. Martian was a lot more mature. Aqualad had defected and become part of uh, Black Manta's army uh, for reasons we won't go into for fear of spoilers. <laughs> uh, and, and then it introduced like characters like Beast Boy and uh, you know just a bunch, of, a, lot, a lot more of the of the Zatanna, a lot more of the kind of you know teenage sidekick characters. And now wow. it looks like they're doing another leap. And introducing even more for for Young Justice season three. So, Nick, oh, cool. You should watch Young Justice, and in fact, you should hurry because it looks like Young Justice seasons one and two, as well as all four seasons of Justice League, are leaving Netflix. Oh no! <laughs> so I gotta be- get on that. You better get on that because uh, yeah, it was just announced. Netflix showed their um, August. You know, every month they 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 list yeah. which ones are which shows are leaving, which shows are coming, and it looks like in August they are getting rid of all of their DC animated shows. So I wonder if they're setting up their uh, their streaming service now by getting rid of it on Netflix. Maybe, maybe. Um, that's how, how are you gonna How are you gonna watch your DC stuff without Netflix, Nick? You know, I don't know. I I watched um I bought um Wonder Woman on iTunes all of the whole s- series just for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, kind and of. for my my own pleasure. <laughs> I wanted to you know be able to like rewatch it and go like okay I'm familiar with this. So it looks like you'll just have to do that for uh, Young Justice then. Yeah, I'll buy I'll buy the whole thing just for you, Keith. Just so we can so we can talk about it on. DC TV classics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to be informed. <laughs> well, if you want to watch season three, you probably would want to uh, binge the first two somehow. Who knows? Maybe they're changing everything. Maybe it's not, not necessary. Well, you but know, I'll watch it. <laughs> you should watch it anyway. Well, it, you know, it was funny. That I, don't th- I don't recall, and maybe you saw something I didn't since you were on the ground, but... I don't think DC made any major announcements about their streaming service during Comic Con, no. did they? Not, not that I saw. No. So I, you know, beyond just the Young Justice teaser and announcement, well, not it wasn't a teaser. It was just kind of like showing the showing a promo image of the new cast, but that was kind of the only real nod to their streaming service. And I wonder, I wonder if this is kind of a a, a precursor to you know setting up their streaming service to be their the exclusive place to find any DC content going forward. So it, it's almost like, you know, this show will only, our podcast will only exist to talk about that one streaming channel since there won't be yeah. other outlets to watch classic DC shows. 
Yeah, sounds fine. I don't know. I mean, are you are you okay to invest in yet another streaming? Like you, you know, you'd have to have like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, and now yeah. you got to get yeah. DC well, money. I actually, I don't, I don't even have Hulu or Amazon. I have Netflix, and I bought Showtime so that I could watch Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's it. I I keep on like stop watching TV and then going <laughs> well, like I should stop paying for this. That's true. Well, that's what happens when you don't watch current television. I know, right? You know, I gotta I gotta get with it. What am I doing with my life? Yeah, if not watching TV, that's, that's the only <laughs> thing you should do with your life, Nick. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Uh, so that was the, those were the DC classic relevant news bits to come out of San Diego. Um, for the rest of the time, I just want to kind of like just talk about your San Diego experience and, and and as you alluded to earlier, you know what you notice in terms of like what's changed between your first comic con experience uh, your first San Diego comic con experience in two thousand nine or so and how it's changed I mean you only also went on Sunday too, which was kind of like Sunday's yeah. the chillest day of mo- of comic con just because by then all of like you know all of the panelists and all of the artists are like zombies yeah. by then. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah. uh but yeah, so what so what was your how would you describe, you know, the evolution or de-evolution of of your Comic-Con experience from eight <laughs> years ago to now? Well, um actually last time I went to to San Diego Comic-Con, uh I didn't I didn't do too much. I did kind of similar stuff where I walked around the um the floor for a little bit. And then um, I, you know, this time I I went to a panel and I went to like a few panels and did my panel. Mm -hmm. Um, Last time I went, I did even less. Um, (laughs) I just kind of went and walked around the floor and then was like, okay, I I get it. Um, And uh, but for me, I'm I'm more like think about like. San Diego Comic-Con versus the Comic-Cons that I went to growing up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm looking at the difference between that. Basically, it seems like, you know, nerd culture has become, has just grown exponentially. Um, like, every movie now is a superhero movie. Um, superheroes are, are huge. They're They're everywhere. Comic books are... You know, they're all over the place. Right. So it seems like Comic-Con to me, it, it, it seems like kind of like a corporate expo, yeah. you know, where, <laughs> where it's like everybody going and showing you, here's what movies are coming out or what TV shows are coming out. And you walk around and you look at it and they, um, all the stuff that I was used to going com- to Comic-Con for, which was try to find old comics right. and old Ninja Turtle toys that I used to have and got lost. I lost them. Um, I try to go find those. And everything like that in San Diego Comic-Con kind of gets pushed into, like, the back corner. Right. um, Where they're, like, you know, that's where they have kind of the comic shop vendors and things like that. And most of what it is nowadays seems to be, like, here's the Nickelodeon station or right, here's right. this Hasbro station and here's the station about this toy company and this and this thing 
um, which is cool. I you know went and looked at like the sideshow collectible mm-hmm. stand, and they have like a ton of statues of things. And I looked at the statues, and I thought these are really cool. I'll never buy them because right, they're like five hundred dollars. They're like five hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and so, we're not exaggerating. Those are the actual prices for a sideshow. Those show. are the least expensive ones. Because <laughs> um, these statues are huge. They had like a life size Batman thing. And I said, this is n- nice, but I would never buy this. Yeah. Um, but somebody would. I, I was That's walking around listening to people going like, I already have a Chewbacca statue, <laughs> but this is a different Chewbacca statue. Um, so people love it. Yeah, Oh, um, to be able to call yourself a hot toys or a sideshow collector because like that's the one I'm a, you know, I'm an action figure collector, but that's the one line that I could never. You know, and I talk to people who are, and I'm like, how? You have a regular job. How do you afford $250, you know, 12-inch figures yeah. on a regular basis? <laughs> yeah, those those ones that are like the movie replicas that look exactly like the people because yeah. they have computers carving their faces <laughs> and stuff. And like um, the cloth costumes and everything. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I love them. I wish I, wish I could afford them, but... Yeah, those things are remarkably cool. I'll go and I'll look at, you know, merchandise from movies that I've never seen. And I'll go like, (laughs) I would like that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's just the inner kid in me that loves action figures. Right. Well, to your point about, like, you know, the the exhibition floor at at San Diego now is, is, is dominated by the giant corporate, you know, uh, yeah, a presence, you know, and then even those toy companies like Funko or Hasbro or Mattel, whatever, even their booths are packed with people who are in line to get like the exclusive toy that you can only get in San Diego. So you, even if you wanted to buy something, you couldn't because you know there's just you have to get in line to get a ticket to get a bracelet to get in another line to get you know and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff just to just to get the stuff you want and and a traditional yeah. comic convention. You know, like something that you, like you said, you went to in Michigan or like they have here in Maryland or or all over the country, these smaller conventions where you can actually walk up and meet an artist is something yeah. that's not necessarily the case in San Diego. Like the comic part of Comic-Con has, yeah. has kind of gone away. Yeah, the comic, it's it hasn't gone away. It's still there. Like I still walked through the artist alley and mm-hmm. stuff and saw artists they're still doing their thing of selling um prints and things like that which to me is the more interesting stuff because uh you know i i love art um i like to do art i love i love comic books um i love seeing people's different art um so i like doing that uh yeah but it seems like this is it's more like disney world Nowadays, (laughs) Nowadays, <laughs> to where you go, like everybody goes dressed up, and they right. bring the whole family. You'll see babies there, and like whole families that are all dressed up together. And um, it, it's, I just, you know, I remember back in Michigan, it was like, pe- you know, old people in t-shirts in like <laughs> Star Trek t-shirts, and maybe you'd see one guy dressed up like Cobra Commander. And you'd go, I can't believe it! It's Cobra Commander. <laughs> um, but now, and then, and then these like shows every- are in like a ballroom in a hotel, and not in like a giant yeah. convention center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's certainly it's a little different 
a different kind of experience. Um, it used to feel like way more, uh, uh, way less official. Mm. It was, you know, it was more like all the comic stores in the in the area, right. all the comic stores in Michigan would come together and they would all sell their stuff and you'd see vendors that would bring things over from different parts of the world that you couldn't get here or you would look for like fan uh movies on vhs like i remember trying to find that batman dead end thing did you ever uh, see that the predator and uh yeah where he fights the alien and the predator it's like um, the first time you ever saw but I, I i remember like that's back in the when when the the highest resolution on the internet was like 480 pixels and, yeah. and it would yeah. take forever to download but i that was like my favorite batman movie for at least uh two or three years yeah it's like i remember going and specifically looking for that on, on vhs on, on vhs and like <laughs> I remember, you know, trying to go and find, like, we were talking about that one Justice League show that, right, it, that the existed, the pilot that never got released or whatever, but they had it on VHS, and, like, they have, they would have all these things. I remember even in the later ones, like, trying to go find George Lucas and Love, that, that oh, fan right, film. Yeah, yeah. You ever see that, where it's about, it's like Shakespeare in Love, only it's about George Lucas right. making up Star Wars? In college, and, uh, he's, like, he's walking around film school, and, like, you see the professor that turned into Yoda and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, walk, I, like, it used to be a lot more of, like, a like a fun scavenger hunt. But I think like, those kinds of those kinds of conventions still exist. Like the smaller ones around yeah. the country are still around and and Yeah. Uh you know, I I'm here in Baltimore and Baltimore has Baltimore Comic Con every year, which is which is a much more intimate, much more like comic book focused. And 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 most of the professionals and artists that I've spoken with have said that like shows like Baltimore Comic Con shows like, you know, these smaller ones around the country are more like reminiscent of what comic conventions used to be and, and yeah. more intimate. And I think, you know, more of that kind of like flea market scavenger hunt type vibe where you where like the majority of the booths are vendors and retailers. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas like a New York comic con or a San Diego comic con is, is much more of like a trade show now. Yeah. Um, than 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 a comic, like a traditional comic book convention. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of, you know, the you know, the corporations and things saying this is where we're going to unveil this. Right, right. <laughs> and you know, it's like a big holiday. It's the thing that, you know, it it really does feel like it's a like it's become like a holiday celebration kind of thing and everybody shows up in costumes right. and things like that and it's just spread to you know just a lot of people love going and um there's a lot of people and for me i think i'm one of maybe those more introverted people that's <laughs> it's like, like it's a little too many people in the gas there's lamp. a lot of people here <laughs> well and uh, i think comic-con is also a different like for different people it's a different experience because you have those folks who go to comic-con specifically to just like you said walk the floor experience like just that overwhelming kind of like, yeah like, s sense deprivation where it's just like you're getting inundated with like stimulus um yeah you're you're constantly touching at least two people <laughs> and then by the accident blinking yeah. lights and interesting smells um 
But then there's also the Comic Con experience where you go to panels, where you go to like the the smaller kind of more interesting panels, like like you know your panel about Harry Potter, or you know the last two years I was on a super Asian American panel, like the the kinds of panels where like it's an interesting topic with interesting people, and then there are the Hall H and Ballroom Twenty panels, which are, again are more of that corporate, you know Warner Brothers, HBO, Marvel, you know. Yeah. unveiling mm-hmm. the next 10 years of movies or whatever. And those are the folks who, like, I'm always always curious about what their Comic-Con experience is because people who want to go to Hall H panels typically spend they, their yeah, entire Yeah, they're Comic-Con in line most of the time. <laughs> camping out outside and yeah. never actually experiencing the inside of Comic-Con. <laughs> there are even, in at Comic-Con, like, in the surrounding area... People will, like, different shows and stuff will set up, like, these pop-up experiences. Like, I heard about one for Legion where they, like, stick you in and put you in, like, a virtual reality Mm. kind of thing. And people will spend, you know, all day in line going through all these different things. And so, um, so in that way, it does feel a lot more like Disney World to where you're waiting to go on rides, you know? (laughs) Well, it, and it's true, like, for for people who may not be able to get into Comic-Con itself, like, if you couldn't get a pass or you couldn't get a ticket, but you somehow wound up in San Diego in late July, you don't actually have to go in the convention center to experience Comic-Con, because as Nick said, you know, the whole Gaslamp district is basically Comic-Con, and, and for at least five or six blocks in a circle, you can find experiences, you know, without actually even having to have a badge or go into the into the convention center so you know comic-con is is a is like i said it's different for different people but it's it's definitely i wouldn't even say it's something like everyone should experience because i think some people yeah (laughs) some people might be a little freaked out (laughs) (laughs) right uh but if you if you have the wherewithal to experience comic-con i do i do suggest that you should um i did two i did two of them in a row and even if yeah, I what to, what did you think? What did you think with the changing of the years? Like, how have you thought it's Comic Con has changed from eight years ago to today? Yeah, so like uh, similarly, you know, in two thousand, I mean, two thousand nine, it was still a fairly big deal. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was two thousand nine was the year. It was the year after the Dark Knight. It was, you know right when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was about to explode. It, it hadn't exploded quite yet. Um, so there were... But there were still Hall H panels. I feel like the frenzy over Hall H had not reached fever pitch yet, you know? Um, I think that year, 2009, the biggest the biggest crowd was for Twilight. And, Holy cow. It was well, a different time. What was interesting... What I did, and I recall what was interesting about that was that you heard... Just, just kind of like overhearing people on the floor... You know, you could see the divide coming between like different fandoms, and then a more in, like a more female-driven fandom being kind of centered upset a lot of people who were like, "What are these girls doing here?" Basically, was the gist. I think. Of, yeah, of yeah, the it's that's that is the classic nerd war <laughs> of there are too many girls <laughs> exactly. here, and you go like. Dude, what's what is the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> I know, um, right? Like, isn't that actually a good thing? We say on the girl-free episode of DC TV Classic. This is the dude <laughs> panel. We're going back. No We're girls allowed, back. Brittany and Desiree. Um, 
So yeah, so that was that was definitely, and it was my you know that was my first ever San Diego experience, and I re- I remember being overwhelmed and kind of like taken aback by just all of the stuff. Um, I think it's, it's a different experience too because I was I was fortunate enough to be at an exhibitor booth that year. Um, my one of my partners on Secret Identities, Jerry Ma, he used to he used to have an exhibitor booth at San Diego Comic Con. I think for like ten years in a row. He's since retired from San Diego. So, but it's, I think it's a different experience when you have like a, a, a like almost like a home base. You can kind of like touch and be like, hey, leave me alone, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So so that was that was an interesting experience. Eight years later, I came back to Comic Con in 2015. I guess that's seven years later. Six years. I can't do math. It was six years later, um, and I did my first Comic Con in six years in 2015. And and yeah, it was a, a completely. I think everything that I was overwhelmed by in 2009 just was exponentially greater. <laughs> <laughs> like the crowds were bigger, the lights were brighter, the sounds were noisier, the smells were stinkier. <laughs> and, and, um, but you know, the thing is, and, and then, so I, and I, and that year was crazy because I only went to San Diego for 24 hours. I literally yeah. flew cross country, spent the day walking around the floor, did my panel and took a red eye back East. And that was the dumbest thing I'd ever done. <laughs> I was literally a zombie for probably three weeks after that. Um, oh boy. Last year I spent a few more days in San Diego, stayed with my, stayed with a cousin who lives nearby. I didn't have to do the whole hotel, uh, you know, lottery and like uh roulette yeah. that a lot of people have to do. Um, yeah. And so it was a little bit chill, like went to a couple more parties, hung out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, that, that's, I think for people who, uh, like I was saying earlier, like it's a different experience for different people. One of the things I do take away from a comic con experience is kind of like seeing people you haven't seen in a while. Um, one of the, one of the cool things about being on Twitter is that like you forget that Twitter people are real. So the opportunities to meet other Twitter people in real life is always kind of cool. Um, so that that's a that's something that I look forward to. You know, part of me I was glad I didn't go this year, but there was a yeah. there was some FOMO in me when I was seeing all my friends on my timelines <laughs> posting the pictures from from Comic Con. So yeah, but it's definitely like it, it, it's you know it's an acquired taste, and you have to have a taste yeah. for it. You know, it's it is cool. It is cool. It's like I didn't really go to too many panels um you know because i had my panel to do i went to a voiceover panel because um our agent for star kid is uh, a woman named pat brady and her husband is bob jules who does a lot of voiceovers yeah. for cartoons um and so i went to go see him on his panel and there were a bunch of other great guests on there so that was really cool and then when i went to go in to do my panel the previous panel was closing was wrapping up and if we're talking about you know dc tv classics i saw um someone who i have admired for a long long time um tara strong oh who wow was on, who was on the panel she because it was a panel for um the dc superhero the I don't know what it's called, the DC Superhero Girls Yeah, that's right. Thing. That's what it's called. That's what it's called? Okay, that's exactly good. That's what it's called. Um, and so they were, like, premiering some kind of, like, new movie, and then they were talking about it, 
and I, you know, didn't expect to see to see Tara Strong. And when I saw her, I did feel a little starstruck <laughs> um, because you know she's Batgirl from Batman the Animated Series. She now she like took over for Harley Quinn yeah. when Arlene Sorkin uh, retired from doing the role. And uh, she's still doing Harley Quinn like that. She does that voice on the DC Superhero Girls show. Uh, she's also so- Raven on Teen Titans. She's also Raven in Teen Titans. And for me, she's also, you know, Twilight Sparkle. Twilight Sparkle, and my little pony. That's friendship right. Friendship is magic. So um, it was pretty cool to see her. So it is cool to go and see people that you like and yeah. people that you admire. Um, so that was pretty fun. We need to get Tara on the podcast. <sighs> Let's make that happen. That's it. Oh, t- no, no, I'll be too nervous. I won't be able to say anything. Um, no, I I hear that she's very nice. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you know. I mean, we'll 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 make sure that uh, if we ever do get Tara on the podcast, that that you have proper warning beforehand. We won't spring her on you. You're right, you're right. <laughs> like, uh, it's time for another podcast thing. Oh, by the way, here's Tara Strong. I I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> I, I'd be too too nervous. Um, but that's no, really so cool. It, yeah, it's cool. That's cool to see. Um, yeah, and you know, it's like it is touching when you go and you see families there. Yeah. Um, like, and it is nice seeing. It's like because comic books. And these superhero things, in my opinion, are uh, a lot of it is for kids, you know. Um, it's supposed because, to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be for kids. And so seeing it become accessible to new generations and also to see, you know, honestly, to see the female ratio start to grow. Yeah. It's like... For me, I'm like, that's great because you see all these little girls going around and they're like dressed like Wonder Woman or they are. I saw one family that was dressed like a super family. They were all dressed up like Superman and Supergirl and that. And the little girl saw someone who was cosplaying as Rey from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And she like just stood there and looked at this girl for (laughs) 20 minutes and wanted to like go up and talk to her and hold her lightsaber and stuff. And you go like how touching to see it reach these new young people, which is the whole goal of these in, in my opinion, the, the whole goal of these fantasy series are to, um, you know, be so extreme and fantastical that little kids can understand very complex uh, lessons to, yeah. to learn. So it's very nice seeing this become accessible to new kids and to see more kids at Comic-Con and to see girls at Comic-Con and to see all different kinds of people, you know? Not just girls, not just boys. Every kind of people yeah. are are there. And it's great to see that it's reaching all these new people. So 
and I, I always always wondered like what was it about like why do nerds get so possessive over this stuff that they don't want to share with like gr- girls and little kids and uh, you know other yeah. people of color like some you know the it only expands and grows the base you know what i mean yeah. like i don't get why why people are so possessive over these things that they would lash out against like too many kids, too many girls, you know, like it doesn't make any sense. If you love something, there's a reason you love it. And you want to share that with other people. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think that sharing it and seeing more people like it would become, would be the greatest joy. Right. Uh, But it's, it's weird how some people get possessive to the point of being hostile to, to, to for it to it's like they go like this is my thing if somebody else and you go like you didn't write it (laughs) you didn't make it up it's not your thing it's exactly that's the other thing right (laughs) like they they feel so threatened by other fans and yet you're you're you know claiming possession over something that somebody like do you really think george lucas likes to hear you complain about the prequels i mean come on like yeah ultimately those were his things and he's he was lucky enough to let you have it for a little bit so you yeah. should let somebody else have it um yeah i i think you know creating something being a creator of stuff the 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 greatest joy is having as many people right. see it as possible right exactly like that's the thing is you know and as someone who's created things like can you imagine if you know, you saw kids and little girls come into a Star Kid show, and you're like, "Get out of here! This is just for me and my friends." <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, uh huh. It's it's odd, you know. It is odd, but yeah. you know, sometimes you you will even see. I'll see some Star Kid fans that go like, "These people aren't real fans. <laughs> They're just Glee people." <laughs> and uh, and you go like, "Guys, listen." As long as I'm making money off them, <laughs> who cares? So there you go. Yeah, that's that's ultimately <laughs> the lesson. That's ultimately the goal. Is that how all can these we get money? Companies are like, we want to get money from as many people as we possibly can. But you know, but that speaks to something about like some of these publishers and some of these studios who who are listening to those kind of like you know noisy fans and not listening to like the dollar bill because you know if if you're a publisher and you hear like certain contingent of of your fan base saying hey you shouldn't have you SJW is brewing in comics and you listen to them then yeah you are you must be allergic to money because if if you are yeah. if you're just uh-huh. kind of like encircling a shrinking group of people who who don't want to see more like you know characters of color or women characters or gay characters mm-hmm. or whatever then mm-hmm. you're you're like denying a whole lot of wallets out there <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's weird how sometimes what's what is good for you is good for you and sometimes what is financially good for you does end up being the same thing as what's the right thing to do right um so it is you know, it's usually being inclusive is always the right thing to do, yeah. and uh, in in any sense, because um, you know it's like. But the you know, I I think if you talk to any creator of something, they actually don't care about about the money. Right, um, right, you know, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> you but, know, we're we're being a little silly. Yeah, but I true. think you know if you talk to any. You know, like if you talk to the people that make the that made Wonder Woman, they're they're not gonna like the producers, the production company is gonna care. Oh, this was a great 
the moneymaker, but the people actually making the movie and making all the creative decisions are like, what's a, what's a good thing for me to do and what's going to reach kids and what's going to, going to make everybody feel as good as we possibly can. And that's the important stuff. And it's good to see that, uh, it's good to see Comic-Con growing in that direction. Yeah. Well, that's a, I, I think that's a well said, Nick is what I'll say. Uh, before we end, though, I wanted to uh, just give you a chance to see, if, is there is there a particular reveal or announcement or thing that came out of San Diego that, that you, you know, stuck with you the, the, the most and, and that you'd want to share as far as, you know, whether it was a, a big news announcement or whether it was someone you met or something you saw? What was the big takeaway from San Diego this year for you? Um, uh, well... I, I don't know because um, in terms of like announcement, like uh, any entertainment stuff, mm-hmm. um, there were there are certain things that I am excited to see that um, I that don't really have to do with DC TV classics. But it's fine. You know? <laughs> like, I'm excited for you know like Stranger Things too yeah. and stuff like that. That was a cool um, trailer. It's a very cool trailer. Um, I'm you know I'm. So I'm excited for that. I, uh, but I think my the biggest takeaway for from Comic Con, I think, yeah, was just that moment of seeing the little uh, the little Supergirl girl uh, holding Ray's lightsaber <laughs> and and seeing the and going like this is a good positive thing. Yeah. Well, that's a good takeaway. I w- my takeaway was going to be uh, the Justice League poster that they revealed. Yeah, it looks like Kingdom Come. The the yeah, com- yeah. It's very very Alex Rossian. Um, yeah. in its composition. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but it looks like with the new trailer, they upped the saturation on those colors. Yeah, they took something that used to be black and they made it red. You know, <laughs> like how did that happen? Well, the the other great thing about that that Alex Ross kind of style Justice League poster. Is that Batman's costume looks blue, which is yeah. amazing. It's like the only thing I want now is a blue and gray Batman costume in the next movie. You know, <laughs> I'd love that. I'd um, love that. And and everyone who listens to DC TV Classics knows how I feel about the DC movie universe. But I will have to say, the trailer and and like you said, kind of like I guess the saturation of because yeah. it because Zack Snyder tends to desaturate his his uh, yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Gave me some, gave me some hope for, uh, for this. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think that, um, I think that here's, how about this? There's nowhere to go but up right. from some, from some of those movies. Yeah. And you Wonder Woman up. definitely set, set. Yeah. Wonder bar. Woman set the bar. Wonder Woman was like, from now on, they'll, they'll be like this. Yeah. I will see if Justice League can reach that bar. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we'll see. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm hearing a lot about reshoots. Yeah. Which is uh, nervous. It can make you nervous, but it can make you nervous, but you go like, it's good that they're taking some time and going like, okay, well let's, let's get it invest, right. Let's invest some money and get it right and try and, you know, make the connective material between the fight scenes good. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, there was some nerve making about like, you know, Ben Affleck doesn't want to be Batman anymore, and 
uh, a lot of these kind of rumors swirling around. So it was kind of good to just have the the panel happen. And to your point about, um, you know, kind of reaching new audiences, reaching children, I think one of the things, you know, related to the Justice League premiere or the trailer and everything was, I think there was a viral video going around of like this little girl in a Wonder Woman costume kind of going down the autograph line and meeting Gal yeah. Gadot and, yeah. and being like all kind of like, you know, like it's good to keep a straight face and not tear up when you're watching it because it's just a beautiful yeah. moment. And I think that speaks yeah. to what you were saying about, you know, why it's important to inspire little kids um, yeah. with these kinds mm-hmm. of characters. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's that's our Comic-Con extravaganza episode of DCTV Classics. I want to thank Nick for joining us. Can you um, tell people where they can't find you on Twitter? Where they can't where find me Where they can't find you, where, where you won't be, where you... Oh yeah, oh yeah, because I'm never on there. No, I I go on there every once in a while. You've been actually. posting a lot I've of art fun. lately, which is yeah, I've been fo- posting some art of uh, me just drawing superheroes like they're animes that I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got a whole plan. I got a whole plan for it to do all of them. Cool. Um, so because they all can match up with one of the animes in a pretty <laughs> good way. Um, but uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick Lang tweets. I think is what That's it right. is. That's and so, then um, we've done twenty then, of these episodes, and you've always gotten it right. <laughs> all right, there you go. And then Starkid is at at Team Starkid, I think. Also and, correct. Uh, there you go. I'm I got two for two. There you go. Uh, you can find me at the Real Chow at the underscore Real underscore Chow and at the Nerds of Color. You can follow uh, DCTV Classics at DCTV Classics and uh, DCTV Podcasts. Uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and now it's called Apple podcast as well as uh, Stitcher radio and uh, follow. Wait, I said that already. I said how to follow us. <laughs> so don't, don't yeah. follow us more than once, uh, but follow yeah, us or do it or follow us, follow us as many times as possible. Unfollow and then follow. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's been our show. Uh, we'll be back again in a couple weeks until then same pod time, same pod channel. <laughs>